The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We're bringing you the most complete and hilarious Yanks chat you'll find anywhere. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast, courtesy of Fansight. Welcome to another episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. And Thomas, we are smack dab in the middle of the Yankees battling the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium again The first three games have been a bloodbath for whatever reason. I don't know why this is what the rivalry is now, but this is what the rivalry is now. And so we have brought on a special guest to talk about the Red Sox perspective and that side of things. Uh, This is going to be fun. Yeah, it's uh, before we we introduce our guest, I just I want to make it clear that the Red Sox are just the worst for so many reasons. And one being is because they have a year like they do two years ago where they run through the entire league. 108 wins, rip through the playoffs, dominate all the best teams en route to winning the World Series, and now we're beating up on them so bad. It's not even enjoyable beating them this badly. Um, It's not even fun. I hate when the Red Sox are the Orioles. I said this last night because Red Sox-Yankees, whether there's intensity or not, is still Red Sox-Yankees. They're going to show up and be annoying. They're going to show up, and whether they have pitching or not, like Kevin Pillar and Alex Verdugo are going to hit homers, whether they've lost eight in a row or won eight in a row. So when we're expected to beat the Red Sox, like if they lose the fourth game and only win three out of four, fans are going to be disappointed. That's annoying. That should be a huge win. So when the Red Sox are this bad, it's very frustrating to watch this whole scenario go down. But that being said, we need to talk to a real Red Sox fan about what this season has become what the last 18 months have been like and what it's like following this weird roller coaster of a team. Our old friend Liam McEwen from the big lead is here. Liam, what is going on? What's going on, guys? Appreciate you having me on, even though the topic is not a matter that I uh, am super excited to discuss, but nonetheless, honored to be here. Uh, you know, 
everything is going wrong is what's going on. It's one of those things. I'm actually, my mindset kind of now that we're 22 games into the season and things have gone this poorly, it's almost like the 2020 uh, Red Sox season is the evil twin of the 2013 Red Sox season. And let me explain that. 2013, we are come off, coming off Bobby Valentine's awful, terrible, no good year. Fired after a year, everything went poorly in 2012. 2013 had this new manager. We, you know, felt okay about it, but we didn't really expect to be good. We were like, anything that good happens this year is just, anything is better than last year. I remember actually thinking to myself at that time, this might finally be a year I could get some reasonably priced bleacher seats, run up to Fenway in the summer. Obviously that didn't happen. Everybody has a career year. David Ortiz forgets he's in his mid-30s. He hits over 600 in the friggin' World Series. Guys like Johnny Gomes, who we brought in and nobody even blinked an eye, are suddenly having one of the better years of their career. And so now we're heading into 2020, obviously pandemic stuff aside. We have our another manager change, but in the complete, in the complete reverse. We didn't really – Alex. we had to ditch Alex Cora because of the cheating scandal, which, you know – Whatever, but we didn't want to, you know, I like Alex Cora. I didn't want to see him go. I think Ron is an okay guy. I think he's a decent manager, but, you know, we're kind of going in. We're like, you know, sale goes down and we're like, okay, this could be bad, but it probably won't be. We still have some talent. We still have J.D. Martinez. We still have Andrew Benatendi. We still have Rafael Devers. We have some stuff to build on. And then everything goes through the bottom for the first 20 games of the season. It has been just it is legitimately remarkable how everything has gone so poorly. I honestly, there's so, there's so many reasons to point, but it's everything. <laughs> yeah, this is why, I mean, this is why now we hate you because you could, like, you're, you're fully right. Like, before the season started, even with this pitching staff and even without Chris Sale, I don't, I can't think of a reason this team should have been 6 and 16. I, I couldn't you have just as easily seen. Kevin Pillar hitting 412 with six homers and like endeavors and Bogarts and Benintendi continuing to ascend as players and they're winning 10 six and stuff like is would that have really stunned you that wouldn't have stunned me that would not have stunned me at all just because it kind of I mean honestly it felt like we were kind of primed to do that because even after we didn't have a great year in 2019 by any means, but it was still like we had, like you were saying, those young guys, they were on the up and up. And, you know, Kevin Pillar is a decent player. Like the every addition that we made in the offseason and everything that we saw from the Red Sox in 2019. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Ted, wake up. What? You look exactly like me. I am you, Ted, from the future. You need to call Progressive. What? Why? Well, they have 24-7 protection when you bundle your home and auto. And my teleportation cube just smashed into your car. Wait, you crashed into my car? Technically, it's our car. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Pointed to a 2020 that, while was unlikely to be a championship season by any means, we weren't supposed to be the Orioles, as you so adequately put it. So it's, I mean, I guess I'm not necessarily surprised just because, you know, 2020 is one those years where it's hard to be surprised by anything, but disappointed very much. So. My question is how are like rational Red Sox fans feeling about this fall from grace over the last 22 months? Cause we know you have the delusional guys who are like still, you know, defending the fact that Alex Cora probably didn't really do anything illegal in Boston um, or that, 
you're dealing with so many different injuries and turnover that uh, this is part, you know, kind of what the natural progression is going to be. But when you look at it, you didn't do anything in the offseason to make your team better. Like, a, you traded away Mookie Pets. You didn't add one pitcher that made sense aside, I guess, I guess Martin Perez is working at the moment. But, I mean, call me at the end of the year when that's working. But, like, what is the rational Red Sox fan feeling about what ownership and the front office has done since the World Series win? Yeah, I would say the r- rational Red Sox fan take is that we're all extremely upset with the front office. I mean – yeah, trading Mookie Betts, I've said it before and I say it again. Obviously, it was a huge mistake. Everybody agrees with that. John Henry has the money to pay this guy. Like, I get that that's a lot of money to pay one individual, and the Red Sox historically haven't really – I mean, generally, they haven't had a player of Mookie's caliber, but they haven't won any of their championships with one guy making that kind of money. So it's understandable from a very, very certain angle why it made some sense to trade him. But we didn't get – any like real superstar prospects in return. I like Alex Verdugo, but he's not Mookie Betts, obviously. And it's like, then, then what's the worry that Mookie Betts isn't going to be worth his $30 million a year in 10 years. I mean, yeah, come on, you know? And so and, and it's all, it's just all on the front office. It's like, we're not going to blame Nathan Eovaldi for being forced into a number one pitcher role when he was not that should not be that and never will be that he's a fine pitcher. He's a, even sometimes he's a very good pitcher, but he's not going to be your ace out there. You know, J.D. Martinez is a great hitter. He should be hitting better, but we're not putting the blame at his feet for the fact that we're 6-16, six and 16, you know what I mean? So it's really just, I mean, I don't even know how much I really blame Bloom up at, like as our actual like decision maker right now. He didn't really get Delta hand where they were like, all right, here's your team and figure it out. In my, from my view, it's like he got this job and then John Henry's like, all right, first order of business, you trade our best player and then we figure it out from there. And it's like, how are you going to, that, that's a ridiculously short end of the stick for him. So it's just, I mean, you know, we're not, we're not done with the Red Sox, but this is as mad as I've personally ever been in my fandom with our front office for decisions they've made. And so from that angle, it's honestly a little bit vindictive. I'm feeling vindictive seeing everything go this poorly. It's kind of like, well, this is what we all kind of, thought might happen if you deconstructed the team in the way, the way you did. And then now it's happening. So F you, I guess, but it also sucks obviously because I'm watching my team be bad. I guess. Yeah. The announcers do seem to be blaming JD Martinez for the struggles and have claimed every time he's come to the plate that his lack of access to the video room due to coronavirus <laughs> has torpedoed his career. Uh, he's apparently the only hitter struggling with coronavirus for, for everyone else in baseball. The pandemic has been normal and great shakes and you walk to the ballpark and everything seems the same, but JD has been completely thrown off his axis. Yeah. I get so you go on, go on Liam. Uh, yeah, the video thing, what, do you, like, what do you think about that? I, it's extremely dumb. I was reading, I was reading a couple of articles on mass live and the athletic over the last few days about all this stuff that's going on. And every single time it mentions JD, it mentions the in-game video thing. And it's like, he didn't have access to in-game video probably for like the majority of his baseball career, all things considered. So how is, I mean, it's just stupid. It's like, why are we constantly using that as the crutch? Like sometimes hitters go through slumps. Like you don't need to point to one individual thing and to have be going through the slump in the middle of a season that's happening with a global pandemic going on in the background. We don't need to chalk it up to video 
access. Especially because we we know the Tigers did not have uh, prime video access for their hitters. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I would I would venture to say that. Also, in-game video access is like the basis of the cheating scandal. So, like, <laughs> obviously, there's a difference between legitimate access to BP video and all that stuff. But like, in the wake of the Astros scandal, do we really want to be like, oh no, the Red Sox best hitter is struggling because he doesn't have unique video access he never would have had two years ago? Okay, cool. Like, fine line. It's a very strange PR push. It seems not PR push. I wouldn't go so far as it could be. Boston Globe spin zone. We don't know. Could be PR. That's also very legitimate. John Henry controls the media in Boston sometimes. Jokes, jokes. Sorry, John Henry. But I guess the bright side of this entire thing is if if you're really, really kind of a crazy person and like to believe this stuff, and that's why I do believe it because I'm a lunatic, (laughs) um, I think that this is a conspiracy. The Red Sox saw this as an opportunity to tear down Tank and get the number one overall pick, or, you know, we had, what was the thing, Adam, that the draft could kind of be repurposed and that wouldn't happen? There Um, is a chance that the Red Sox could have the worst record in baseball this year and not get the first overall pick, and it could be Rob Manford has the right in a season under 81 games long to reset the draft order per the discussion they had based on weighted 2019 seasons and blah, blah, blah. But that being said, you really think Rob Manford doesn't want to help the Boston Red Sox? If they somehow end up with the first pick, I'm pretty sure he's going to let them keep it. Yeah, exactly. But I want to know what Red Sox fans, if this has even crossed their mind, because when you look at it, trade trading Mookie Betts was you know inexplicable in itself, but it happened. And that was kind of the first domino. I mean, yeah, that was the first domino. Then Cora gets suspended. Um Wait, which one? Ha- I don't even know which one happened first at this point because there's just been so much shit going on. Either way, those Cora are the first two things. First. That- yeah, Cora got fired first. Okay, so I guess you can even call the Mookie Betts trade even more inexplicable since you lost the manager that brought you to the World Series. But anyway, you lose the manager that brings you to the World Series because of what happened. You trade Mookie Betts. You pretty much know Chris Sales out for the year fairly early on. You do nothing to help out the roster. You, you, you're keeping the same bolt. This same bullpen has been how many, like, I still see Brandon Workman, Heath Hembry and Matt Barnes. I feel like they've been there for 10 years. They've done nothing to improve the bullpen, nothing to improve the starting pitching staff. They have a good core of hitters. We, we, uh, we've already kind of alluded to that, but Ron, Ron Renicky, you can't, this guy is not really, he talks and it's like, this guy's the manager. He, he said the other day, we have to play better baseball. And that's that's your guy. So have Red Sox fans thought that there was kind of a conspiracy for the organization to be like, fuck it, it's 60 games, let's tank this, we're not going to win the World Series anyway, sales out, we just traded bets, let's try to get the number one overall pick. See, that had not crossed my mind, but now that it has, it is a very interesting theory because you shut down sale early on, you let Cora serve as year-long suspension from baseball, then you bring him back. Everybody in the clubhouse is super amped because nobody in there think they did anything wrong and they think Cora is awesome. I mean, you probably heard Joe Kelly talking on uh, the Big Swing podcast about how much he adores Alex Cora. Like, he's a player's manager if there ever was one from what I can hear. But my main problem is that, and, and well, I think I also want to, touch upon your opponent about the bullpen is like the strongest point that you have for this argument, because I don't know how anybody could have watched the Boston Red Sox last year and been like, yeah, bullpen's fine. I think, I don't think we need to add anybody, you know, that I, I don't, that was the, perhaps the most inexplicable decision of the off season, not related to a Mookie Pets trade. 
But the problem that I see with that in my mind is just that if, I don't know, Andrew Benatendi wasn't hitting barely over 100 or Rafael Devers hadn't made seven errors in the field and was hitting like 182 or whatever it is he is, if the, if the batting court played well, then we'd be a 500 team. And a 500 team, there's not a lot to be gained or lost by being a 500 team in a 60-game season, regardless of what ends up happening with the draft order, which is very confusing to me anyway. So I think, I think the reason that they are, didn't do anything over the offseason was just because the priority was money, which was the priority before the pandemic really put down all, the, all these economic implications. So then I think the pedal to the metal was pushed even further there. But as far as like an active effort of like, oh, if we're bad, we're bad, I could see that. And especially if Alex Cora just comes back like everything's fine and dandy in a year, which I legitimately don't think will happen. I think that John Henry and the ownership group is a little too PR conscious to do that and just be like, yeah, everything's fine. But if that did, I think you'd be right. Otherwise, eh. That's what was so funny about the bets trade to me was that they were claiming, you know, First off, they were they were always going to claim that, like, well, you never know if he's going to provide you the same value in year 12 as he would in year one. And, like, you you actually do know that he won't provide you the same value in year 12, but you still have to pay for years, like, one through nine. Like, that's what you do to keep a good baseball player on your, on your team, and you deal with 2029 when 2029 comes. But the fact that they were so money conscious before they shipped him off, and then a pandemic hit and changed everyone's financial structure – for the next five years or forever. And then you still had Red Sox fan barstool conspiracy theorists going, Mookie's re-signing. He's liking Instagrams. He's liking tweets. They're going to offer him the same contract. Like in what world are the Red Sox going to lose financial windfall after being conscious of their financial windfall and then be like, we made a mistake. It's time to spend a ton of money now. Like, did you believe that? for a second that Mookie was coming back and just talk us through sort of the ups and downs of trading Mookie thinking he was probably gone, maybe tricking yourself into thinking he was coming back and then realizing it's over now. Uh, yeah, I saw all this stuff about Mookie coming back. And to me, it was just kind of sad to be honest with you. It was like a very forlorn lover looking at his ex's Instagram and being like, Oh, she's single now. That probably means she's coming back to me. That wasn't the case. <laughs> uh, the Mookie thing was hard because it was also drawn out. Like, I think it would have been a little bit easier for me to stomach if like I had woken up in November or whatever. And it was like, Mookie Betts got traded to the Dodgers. And I'm like, Oh wow, that's awful. I feel terrible about that. But instead it was like four or five months of like the contract negotiations in 2019. And then the rumors caused like a surfacing regularly that we weren't going to pay him what he wanted. And so by the time the trade actually happened, I almost was kind of like, let's just, get it over with already. Like, let's, you know, just finish it. Because even if Mookie hadn't been traded, he was gone. And that was the worst part. That was the worst part about coming to the realization with all the stuff that was leaking and all the reports that were coming out from legitimate MLB insiders was that very early on, like months before the trade, we knew it was over for Mookie Betts and the Red Sox. And that really just sucked a lot. Because Mookie Betts, I mean... We haven't had a guy like that come up through our farm system ever. I mean, Dustin Pedroia was super awesome, but he was never like a top five player in baseball. He won MVP that one year, and that was super dope. But not like Mookie Betts, five-tool king. And to watch, and to top that all off, Mookie is also like the best guy ever. He loves to bowl. He does great things in the community. He loves his family. I mean, 
all that, you know, you watch a, you watch a kid come like that come up and go from being a prospect that nobody ever hears of as a fifth round pick to suddenly like, oh, this guy's really good. To, oh my God, this guy's really good. To, Holy shit, we have a superstar on our hands. And then watching that completely disappear because the front office is arguing about whether or not they should pay him. It's just, it was, it was depressing as hell. I'll be honest. It was extremely depressing to watch your team just almost just, we won a world series with them, but it feels like we just wasted a generational talent because we didn't want to fork over the money required to pay generational talents in 2020. And that weird that I don't, the Red Sox seem to print money. They have their hand in Liverpool and essentially this contract, if you gave him, say you even went a little bit higher and gave him like closer to 400 million, you probably just use the full year of profits to pay for 12 years of Mookie bets with all your entities. So yeah, uh, exactly. It's like, how could they look me in the eye charging $250 for final row seats at Fenway park and be like, just can't afford it. Like, come on, that's complete BS. Yeah. I mean, that's why I hate the Red Sox media machine. Cause they were sort of instantly finding ways to blame bets for wanting to explore free agency. Even after he'd been, look, look I'm not going to say that the initial overtures were disrespectful. Like, there's a there's a difference between not being paid your value and being disrespected. And I don't even think Mookie Betts thought he was being like, quote unquote disrespected when he was being offered ten years, three hundred million. It just wasn't enough to dissuade him from hitting the open market and and setting a fair value. It, it, there's a difference between disrespect and fairness, and that's objectively not the fair amount of money for Mookie Betts. And so when he turned down that offer, a lot of the Red Sox, not the beat guys. But the sort of, you know, anomalous conspiracy uh, Twitter dudes and like Dan Shaughnessy did get the machine going where they were like, I guess maybe he never wanted to be here. That's not fair. You know, there, there's a difference between resetting the market, knowing you're one of the, I mean, honestly, is Mookie Betts one of the five best players to ever hit free agency at this time at with this, you know, with these skills and at this age, probably so the fact that he wanted to reset the market and, and like he said, you know, pave the way for a new generation of players to get the wealth they deserve is not the same as him feeling disrespected and deciding from the jump he was never going to come back to Boston. Like, I feel like that discourse is just on two different planes. Yeah, the Boston media discourse really tends to get tribal when it comes to free agent stuff. It gets pretty ridiculous. I mean, obviously... The last five months or six, seven months have been an extreme version of that between Tom Brady and Mookie Betts both leaving. But just in general, it's like if a guy wants what he believes to be his fair value and turns down a lesser offer from a Boston team, it's obviously his fault, according to not to generalize Boston media, but the you know the hot takes and the quick pieces and the radio guys all usually lean towards that direction. And I obviously don't think that Mookie just wanted to get what's his. And I mean, I get that three hundred and fifty, four hundred million dollars is a lot of money but if you want to have a generational superstar you gotta you gotta keep him and so anybody blaming Mookie is just being a little ridiculous it's just the guy wanted what was his and saying anything believing it to be anything else is entirely different but it was another thing that was hard to watch it's just like them going not going after his character per se but going after his love and loyalty for Boston like the guy loved it here but if he's not going to get his money he should leave so yeah I just can't believe that we're here in this rivalry now based on where we were at the end of 2018 when my personal vitriol was almost at an all-time non-2004 high. Like, I got to say, 
Yeah, I mean, you were with us. We watched we watched that parade and stuff together. Like Alex Cora telling the Yankees to suck on it boiled <laughs> my blood to a level where I just I could not be, like it, I couldn't believe it was happening. It was like the barstoolification of the Red Sox had hit its highest point where now you've got this memeable manager and they're doing the same thing they did in 2013 to a lesser extent because Devers, Betts, and Bogarts and Benintendi are extremely talented. But still, you've got like Steve Pierce winning the World Series MVP. They're doing that thing again where they're they're in 2016 and 2017, they're an obvious playoff team. They win the AL East twice. But then in 2018, they're unimpeachable. They're, they're like the best offensive team I've ever seen in my life. David Price is justifying his contract. And bit players like Pierce and Eduardo Nunez hit a big home run in game one of the World Series. And then on top of all of that, you got this army of internet trolls that, that Barstool has unleashed. And you've got a manager who sounds like an internet troll doing the suck on it. And like, I'm furious. And then a year and a half later, he's gone for very legitimate reasons, whether it be in Houston or Boston. Ben Benintendi's not hitting anymore. Devers looks like he's, you know, a, a, a different guy. J.D. Martinez, it's a slump. You know, that's a slump. He had a grand slam the other day. He's still created. And Mookie's gone. So is the rivalry dead again to you? Like, what do you... Are you feeling the same way about the Yankees you felt? Obviously, you've hated us your whole life, and you probably still hate us now considering we're, you know, put, piling up runs against your bullpen, and we've got, you know, still injured Giancarlo Stan and behemoth, you know, overpaid behemoths like you like to hate. Like, where are you on this rivalry? Are you where I was 16 months ago, or are we all just kind of simmering now? Uh, I lean towards simmering like you. I was, I was all about, I was, I was actually super amped that the Red Sox Yankees rivalry was heating up a little bit more back in 2018. I mean, that joke, when Joe Kelly got into that fight, I was so excited. I was like, we're back. This is awesome. Because like you were saying at the beginning of the podcast here, Red Sox Yankees is so fun when both teams are good and dislike each other. It is in my opinion, the most fun rivalry in sports. So now it's just simmering, but a lot of it is because the Red Sox stink, obviously, and the Yankees are doing their usual thing where they pay three guys $100 million and they disappoint sometimes and other times they're great. I mean, Garrett Cole has been fucking dope. Excuse me. Dope. But um, you can say the F word. Okay. Cool. Yeah, you, you can't say the F word. <laughs> Good to know. But it's simmering because I don't like my team that much. Like, I like my players. You know, I love I love the guys on this team. It's, I'm going to be rooting for him all year, but front, the front office decisions of the last 12 or so months have really put a bad taste in my mouth. So it's hard to get passionate about the Red Sox when that is the case. And therefore it is hard to get passionate about Red Sox Yankees. Do I still hate the Yankees? Of course I still hate the Yankees. It's a family. My mom grew up in Brockton. She grew up with the Yankees breaking her heart every single year from when she was a kid. My earliest baseball memory is Aaron F and Boone, 2003, like, you know, it's, it's just a generational thing in Boston. We're always going to hate the Yankees. I still have fond memories of watching Jason Baratek shove his catcher's mitt into Alex Rodriguez's face. It's one of my favorite baseball memories. But right now, it's like if I don't love my team, I can't get behind, like I can't get into a legitimate argument with you two about the Yankees and just like be filled with that vitriol. It's just not the, it's not the same when they suck and it's not the same when I don't like what my team has done, you know? Yeah, I, I still despise the Red Sox, but the Rays are doing more of what I hate the Red Sox doing now than Boston is. I had stuff to do on Sunday night, and Jay Happ was pitching, and the Yankees had already taken the first two games of the series. 
And I sort of was like, I'll, I'm going to follow this on my phone, but I don't really need to watch. You know, if Jay Happ loses to the Red Sox, I'm not going to enjoy that. If the Yankees beat the Red Sox, I'll be moderately excited, but I'm not going to want to sweat through a game that I really shouldn't have to. And then lo and behold, you know, there's like a two-out error in the ninth, but Zach Britton finishes off a pretty low, you know, effort game, and the Yankees just win again. And that's not what this should be. I should be really excited to beat the Red Sox 4-2 on Sunday Night Baseball. Thomas, I don't know how you've been feeling, but it's, it's just, I mean, I'm going to hate them as long as I live. And I'm going to root for them to lose. But the energy just feels different, and I don't know if you agree. Yeah, no. Like I said when we opened, it's not it's not fun this year. Um, I, I usually every season you're just you're pumped to play, especially when especially when they're good, as Liam's saying. When they're good and they hate each other, it's so much. It's so cool. You have people, you know, you have pitchers brushing batters back, going high and in, you know, stare downs and all that, chirping from the dugout, which is what you're saying exactly. What's going on with the Yankees Rays right now? It's just the constant shit talking. Th- either through the media or on the field. And now there is just, there's just none of it. It's not, I love to wake up the next morning after we sweep the Red Sox and to just, you know, flex while I'm drinking my cup of coffee. And l- l- when we did that the first time, you know, it did feel good. And now this time, if we sweep them tonight, like I don't, it, it, like I said, I want to move on to another team that cares about baseball. This is, this is the most low energy competitive because they're a competitive team like they have a core they have like five or six really good hitters Christian Vasquez is kind of really good uh this team is like not really they're they're not a pushover or a walkover team but the way that they're playing they're playing like you know a rebuilding or uh I'm sorry a rebuilding like Royals team from like you know 10 years ago that you play in a four game set and it's like, all right, I'll, I'll watch like one of these and that's it. That's what it feels like to me. I'm happy we're getting wins, but I'd much rather it be high intensity. I'd much rather lose a game and have it, you know, hurt a little bit to come back the next night to maybe, you know, smack somebody in the face. I don't know. That's, that's the way I'm feeling. Yeah. I mean, we've got the raise right after this and it's like, my attention is already there. I was you know, I'm nervous. I think I'm, I mean, Liam's watched me watch Yankees Red Sox. I'm one of the most <laughs> nervous viewers. Uh, and like, you know, you go into the series and you've got everyone saying you should beat the, like beat the Red Sox bones. But then you've got a James Paxton game against Nathan Evaldi, who's a legit starter. You know, he's, he shouldn't be an ace, but he's good. He, he throws 98 miles an hour. He's a good pitcher. And then you've got a Jay Happ game. And then you've got a Martin Perez game who's been honestly relatively good and might be a trade deadline acquisition for a better team. So there is, you know, in a parallel universe and definitely in 2018, the Yankees could lose three of these games pretty easily. Like if they don't win that Garrett Cole Friday night game, then I start panicking. Um, But we're not there. We're in a place where the Red Sox are cutting three, nothing and two, nothing leads to two, one in a second, then going down eight, one or nine, one and not fighting back anymore. Um, Liam, what's the next step? Like, what, what do you target this off season? Is it George Springer for you? Are you ready to sort of, you know, it's a great offensive core. It really is. Are you, is it let Jackie Bradley walk and bring Springer in trying to get Trevor Bauer? Like, are you trying to contend in 2021? Well, I personally would feel some type of way if we refused to pay Mookie bets and then went out and spent 250 million or whatever in free agency next season to get two or three guys who can maybe perhaps approximate the importance that Mookie Betts has to the, to had to our team. 
So I would, that wouldn't really sit all that well with me if we went out and got a George Springer type. I am more of the mindset for right now. What we do next offseason kind of depends on how the rest of the season unfolds. But right now, I think we should probably send out like Mitch Moreland at the deadline, let Michael Chavez just take first base and see what he has. We maybe, you know, I mean, Kevin Pillar is fun to have around, but Jackie Bradley Jr. makes just as many good catches as he does. So then an elite defensive outfield is only worth so much, especially in this kind of season. And I love JBJ. And, you know, we were talking. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Ted, wake up. What? You look exactly like me. I am you, Ted, from the future. You need to call Progressive. What? Why? Well, they have 24-7 protection when you bundle your home and auto. And my teleportation cube just smashed into your car. Wait, you crashed into my car? Technically, it's our car. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. About guys who were inexplicably great during that 2018 run. I mean, the guy hit like, what, like, I think he hit a grand slam. He had like two or three home runs in the LCS and the World Series, whereas in the beginning and middle of most seasons, he cannot hit a single home run to save his life. So I love him, but I mean, you know, if we're going to allocate money somewhere, I'd rather get some like obviously bullpen help for the love of God. If we spend a lot of money on a good closer or reliever, I wouldn't care. Maybe like a middle reliever even, but I don't really, I don't think big money acquisitions, big money acquisitions over the off season has rarely worked out for the Red Sox in the past. 2018 was obviously a little bit of an exception because we brought in JD Martinez, who was awesome for us. And the sale was a trade, technically not a signing, but you, that that general idea of bringing in big money guys, like whenever we have an off season where we sign two or three of these huge names to big contracts, we think of like Julio Lugo or Carl, Carl Crawford. Still a little star, scarred from that. So I, for me, Red Sox fan extraordinaire, I would say that we just kind of roll with our current offensive core with some complimentary pieces and then do whatever we need to to upgrade our starting pitching and our relief slash bullpen situation. Well, Sam Kennedy, Sam, did, does Sam Kennedy actually run the show in the front office? Because he just, he seems like Sean Spicer, you know, as press secretary, <laughs> press secretary for Trump. He's on WEI last week and the guy's like, this is the worst rotation I've ever seen since rooting for the Red Sox. And I'm like 60 years old and Sam Kennedy is like, hey, you know, you know, things happen. No one's untouchable at the deadline. So we're going to do that. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Are we going to trade Bogarts? Are we going to trade Devers? Like what's going on? Are they? Do you? What do you? Would you be upset if they traded? What? What if they traded like Bogarts to unload that money? Would you? Would that be the end for you? Oh man, it would be awfully close, Tom. I'll tell you that much. I mean, just even thinking about it makes me really upset because the only thing we have going for us this season now we're like six and sixteen. It would take an like insane win streak for us to even think about getting back in the playoff picture. So all we got now, all we have this year is seeing our guys like Xander Bogarts do well. I don't need him to have like an MVP season for me to feel good about this year. As long as he shows improvement from what he did last year and keeps on his upward trajectory to being one of the better shortstops in this league, then I'm pretty pleased. If they decide to trade away any of our young talent for the sake of, I don't know, saving money way down the road, or like I saw one uh, suggestion floated a couple days ago where we we should maybe look into seeing what we could get for Verdugo, I just, the young stuff, the young kids are the only thing that we have to build any hope off of for the future. Mookie Betts getting traded away 
took away a lot of the hope that myself and I would imagine many Red Sox fans felt as far as our two to five year plan goes and getting rid of the, the rest of that hope would, I mean, I'd be apocalyptic. That's for sure. And I know a lot of people would be like, well, if that's what the front office is doing and that's how they see this team, then I don't know what the fuck they're looking at because we're not looking at the same thing. On that note, Liam McCune, thanks for joining us. Um, we love to hate you. Uh, and we hope that the juice is back. Although I will say if that juice involves rehiring Alex Cora, uh, I'm going to be mad because that, <laughs> that just feels bad. I don't, that doesn't feel good to me. Uh, I'll feel a little weird about it, but you know, as a Red Sox fan, you know, I'm going to be showing up with an arrogant grin on my face whenever we're back at the office. Honestly, that feels like the, like if they hired Cora back, like we're, we're back to hate hatred immediately. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't think we have to worry about figuring out the rivalry anymore. Um, Liam McCune, thanks so much for being here. Uh, remember you can subscribe to us on Apple podcasts. Please drop a review five stars and leave us a message mailbag questions. Uh, we want to hear from you. We want to keep hearing from you. Uh, and we have an actual Sox fan on this pod. So I'm sure that that'll get you angrier than anything we've done in the last few weeks. Uh, for now, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. And where can we find you, Liam? Tell the folks. You can find me at at Liam underscore McEwen, M-C-K-E-O-N-E, for all of your sports media and sports takes. Follow all three of us, please. Uh, We will see you later in the week. I'm Adam Weinrib. I'm Thomas Carinante. Take care, everybody. See ya. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? A driveway basketball hoop, including the base, weighs around 400 pounds. Something you probably do know? There's a windstorm coming. Something you probably don't know? A basketball hoop tipping over can poke a hole in a car roof like a can opener. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.